Good morning, good morning. 
Welcome today. We are glad that you're here. If you're here for the very first time, thank you for joining us. Be sure that you fill out a visitor guest form and drop it off out there. Also, while you're out there, there is a large poster on the wall, and it's a great place for you to go write some things down that you are thankful for. Who in here is thankful for something today? Oh, I didn't hardly hear you. Are you thankful for something today? Amen. Yes. Our hearts are overflowing with gratitude, especially as we enter this week of Thanksgiving. Also this week of Thanksgiving, we have a special service on Tuesday night. We call it Turkey Tuesday. And we do not have service Wednesday night. So come here Tuesday night at 7 o'clock and join us for our Turkey Tuesday midweek service. Um, if you're a live streamer, thank you for joining us. We hope that you can be here in person. Please um, like and share on social media and um, come next time you get a chance. My heart is full of gratitude today. This week as I think about all the good things that God has done for me the whole month of November, I just love to celebrate each day with something that I'm thankful for. And it reminds me in Psalms where it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, serve the Lord with gladness. So today we are serving in his presence, bringing him our hearts of worship. As you stand and join me today in worship, would you please put something in your mind that you're thankful for? So let's stand. Let's come into the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving. Let's fill this house with sounds of praise. Lord, thank you so much for being here with us today. We come in here with a heart of gratitude, with a song and our praise in our mouth. We thank you, God, that you are touching us this week, that you're giving us an opportunity to serve this week. We pray that you would help us to connect today with somebody and love them and fill us with your love and your presence. And we thank you, Jesus, that you gave us so much. And this week, we can tell you thank you over and over again. And it's in your, your name we pray. Amen.
going to be one of those people today that are partaking of communion. Come on down and grab a communion cup and, and cracker. They're all in one, so trying to make it really nice and convenient for you. Oh, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Hallelujah. All you've done for us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The scripture verse I'm referring to today is up on the screen. And it's in Mark, the ninth chapter, the 15th verse. And it says immediately. Somebody say immediately. That means right away. When they saw Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeting him. Another translation says, as soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overcome with wonder and ran to greet him. And I think that's amazing. And I also think today that as we do communion and take communion together, that we should always be in awe and wonder of Jesus. 
and what he's done for us at the cross. May we be overwhelmed as we gaze upon that cross because that cross is a wonder. It really is. Because what you see is the creator of all things, the heavens, the earth, the clouds, the sky, the mountains, the oceans, the sun, everything, the creator of all things, and the creator of everything living. You see that creator dying for his creation. That is a wonder, and that is amazing. Dying for the very things that he formed and created. It was an amazing act of sacrifice and love. But you know, the world sees it differently. They see that Jesus dying on the cross as failure, as weakness, and loss. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus did not die like that. Jesus died in splendor and majesty. And you might say, well, how's that, Pastor Andy? Because that was the most gruesome crucifixion anybody has ever seen. And I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you in five small reasons why. Number one, because what mankind could not do, the Son of God did accomplish. And what was that? Jesus came to this earth to be with you and I, and while he was on this earth, he had no sin in him. He didn't sin one time, didn't talk about somebody one time, didn't do anything wrong, was angry, but sinned not. So my question to you is, is how many of you have not sinned while you've been on this earth so far? I see no hands. But Jesus died for us shed his blood made an atonement on our behalf for all the sins of the world he said it is finished it's done that's number one number two it was also a perfect expression of true love of Jesus for you and I true love number three it was the total and final solution to the problem of sin in our lives and number four it was the ultimate victory over devil, the devil, hell, and death. Hallelujah. That's a place to shout right there. And number five, it was the ultimate and supreme example of forgiveness. And those are just a few wonders of that cross that you see up there. And so today, as we partake of communion, today as you take that bread that represents the broken body of Jesus. Know this, that when you take that, healing will come to your body. Because by his stripes, we were made whole. I'm telling you today, when you take of that communion, healing will come, sickness will leave, disease will fall away. And whoever the Lord told me yesterday when I was praying about this, whoever has those dreams, those tormenting dreams, he said they will also be gone. It could be here, it could be on that TV screen, I'm not sure where it is, but them tormenting dreams will cease in Jesus' name. If you believe that, come on somebody, shout amen. Amen, amen, hallelujah. And as we partake of the blood that represents the shed blood, the sins of the world, as we take that today, if you're not right with God, you can be in a twinkling of an eye. All you have to do is confess Jesus and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead and you shall be saved. 
It's that simple. It's that simple. Just believe and you'll be clean. Your sins thrown as far as the east is from the west. That's a beautiful thing. And that's another wonder of the cross. So take that bread right now. And let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, as we hold this bread up to you. We thank you for what you did and what you suffered at the cross. God, that was no weakness. Oh, nothing but nothing but majesty and honor. It wasn't a loss and it wasn't defeat. And God, because of that, because of the, the bread, because of the stripes that you put on your back, we are healed right now in Jesus' name. As we take this, God, I thank you, Father, that sickness leaves their bodies. Torment leaves their mind in the name of Jesus, Father. Right now as we take this, God, hallelujah, I thank you, Father. Disease, Father, is gone from their body. Miraculously, I give you praise for it today. In Jesus' name, God, thank you, Father. Sister being removed. Holy Ghost, we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Father. They feel it in their bodies even now, God. Healing taking place. I give you praise for it, Father, and thank you. That tormented mind, God, is gone in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I give you praise for it, and we give you thank you. We thank you for it, God. Hallelujah. Father, and as we take this blood, the juice that represents the blood today, we thank you for cleansing us for cleansing us of all of our sins. Those, Father, that have repented, Father, right now, God, I thank you, they're clean in the name of Jesus. Those that have asked forgiveness for the very first time, they're clean in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for that shed blood. Thank you for cleaning us, Lord God. We are saved. We have been born again in the name of Jesus. We give you praise for that today. And everybody said here, amen and amen. Hallelujah drink.
when you move, make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you would feel me, so come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you would feel me.
right here and now. Jesus, you change everything. Lives healed. Hope is found right here and now. Jesus, you change everything. Chains
Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you. And I believe you're the wonder-working God. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God. And you heal because you love all the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. Oh 
too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. After everything I've seen, it's too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not
get this thing to work. There we go. Yeah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. It is time for tithe and offering. And uh, we got envelopes. If anybody needs an envelope for tithe and offering, uh, right in front of you. And there's three ways to give on the back of the envelope. There's uh, the text, the mail, or online give also as well. But uh, praise God. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and who's all thankful for Thanksgiving? All right. And uh, it, obviously, it's time to give, and it's the month to give also. We're celebrating the month to give here at Only Believe. And uh, this thing, with Thanksgiving come, comes up, uh, we are also thinking about ways that we can possibly, you know, give to others, uh, how we can bless people, how we can just, it's just in our minds mentally. And uh, me being a metaphor kind of guy, I like to apply my uh, giving and my life to different metaphors I have. And uh, I kind of was thinking about, you know what, I mean, GPS is kind of like giving, using a GPS. You're in your car, you pull up your phone, you're like, huh, I need to get from point A to point B. How am I going to get there the fastest time? So, because time is valuable, right? So, we use GPS. So, what, what about giving? Why is giving important? What does the Bible say? It said it will rebuke the devourer, make us prosperous. So if we're giving the way we should, it should get us from point A to point B the fastest time, right? Uh, so giving will give us prosperity, favor, and happiness. And that's what the God, Word of God says. Uh, with prayer, faith, and giving equals being blessed. So let's look at what the Bible says. I got one verse here, Philippians 4, 6. It says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God so prayer plus giving equals reward just remember that let's pray thank you father god we just give you the glory and the honor father god just uh, be here at your midst father god just honoring your name and the monks all these believers and i ask you that each one of these believers hearts believe with their their heart their 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 soul their mind their faith that you are going to provide for them and so they can even give even more to those who are lost father god to bring you more honor to your kingdom father god we just give you the glory and the honor as everybody gives today and we love you and we praise you in your mighty name we pray amen you can give
that's a little loud. Sorry. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. That song, Too Good to Not Believe, just digs into the inners of my faith and just starts bringing it to the surface to say, we don't serve a God that does tiny miraculous. The miracles of old are miracles for today. They're not for yesterday, they're for now, they're for tomorrow, and they're for the future, amen. You can't discount the goodness of God nor ignore his miracle working power. And if you do, then I'd ask if you're still saved. It's a good day to be alive, amen. To make a difference in the kingdom with our giftings. Everything that you've been a part of so far today is because somebody discovered a purpose in their life that God had given them because they were designed to do what they do. You know that? You realize that you and I are designed in a specific way. All your quirks, all your weird idiosyncrasies are for a reason because God fashioned you exactly like that, knowing your design would drive you to your exact purpose in this life. You can't miss it. Quit looking for your purpose and just start walking. It'll smack you right dab and then you go, oh, this is what I was supposed to do. It's there right in front of you. But because of everyone doing that today, you have experienced so far what you have. But I want to remind you that you are a part of a great big picture and that God wants to do far above everything in your life where you are today. He wants to do greater, even greater things in you. Amen? It's good. Uh, pastor's not with us today. He's in the Ivory Coast doing what he's been designed to do. Amen? Sharing the gospel and demonstrating its power in other countries. I'm not afraid of sharing the gospel or demonstrating his power. I'd just like to do it in the United States. Just going to be honest with you. Lord, if you can use anyone, use me in the United States. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and I just ask you, God, today, Lord, everyone under the sound of my voice in this house, God, that would hear the Savior calling them today. Father, their hearts would be literally drawn to your rescuing power. God, that everyone that's here that is saved, Father, and has you in their life, Holy Spirit, bring us conviction. Father, if there's something in our life that needs to be checked, Father, something that needs to be put back into order, corrected, Father, then we yield our hearts and our minds to you today and say, do your work. We're here. We're your children. And sometimes that means you get to correct us as well as love us. Father, we give our hearts to you today. Father, I give you my words and I fully surrender and step into the fullness of who you are. Remove me, God, that they would see you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, so tonight or today we are going to be continuing the series on the heart of generosity. Now, if this is your first time here at Only Believe and you're a visitor today, um, we do not always preach on generosity and money. However, you fell into November, which is our month that we experience our Thanksgiving offering at the end of the month. And all month, we teach you about money. Now you're saying, oh, Nicole, you're exactly what I thought. This church, I heard it was about money. Nope. We're about the Word of God, and the Word of God mentions money over 2,000 times in the Bible. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. And if you don't like it, then you're going to have to deal with the one upstairs. Because I didn't say what to write in the Bible. He did. And I'm going to teach you so that you can understand there must be a strong draw towards money in this earth if God had to talk about it so much. Because when we get to heaven, that's not the currency. So we're not going to need it. So you might as well take out 2,000 passages because you're not going to be living that when you're in heaven. Amen? So I'm going to help you out a little bit. All right? It is in our nature, you and I, to be generous because it's in our Father, God. I'm not talking about your earthly father. Your earthly father may have been a stingy man. But if you have believed in the Savior and you've confessed with your mouth that he is Lord of your life, then you are now God's children, and because you've been put in his family, who you are is meant to change and become like him. So you are now generous. It's in you to be generous. Now, most of us here today have all heard the scripture, John three sixteen. It's the salvation message. For God, our Father, I put that in parentheses. That's not the Bible. That's me, our Father. I'm telling you, that's who God is. So loved the world, everyone in it, not just you, not just those who do right, not just those who, well, we won't go there, Lord. So loved the world that he gave. Someone say God's a giver. God's a giver, so I'm a giver because my dad's a giver. I model after him, so I'm going to give. His only begotten son only proves that God was a sacrificial giver. He didn't give out of his 15 sons. He gave his only son to you and I. So he's sacrificially giving. And so because he is, so am I. In other words, I don't have to have two to give you what I have. I can give you what I have, and God will provide what I need. Amen? Amen? That whosoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. Our father was not selfish. Am I right? That scripture proves it. Now let me tell you what selfish is. Selfishness is the exact opposite of generosity. It is excessive interest in oneself, constantly ignoring everyone else's problem and only looking at yours. Now, I'm sure, without saying so, that some of you know someone in your family, in your life, maybe even in your pew, that has selfishness written all over them. Keep in mind, sometimes people that are selfish don't see they're selfish. Mm, yeah, that's a hard, but imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> God was not interested in himself. He was interested in you. In you. He was interested in me. And because of that, he's interested in your problems. Not just the little ones, not just the big ones, but all of your problems. If you're thinking about it and it's a problem to you, then it's a problem to God. Some of you are getting ready to go into Thanksgiving. 
God help you all. As you join with family and friends that you haven't seen in over a year, and there was just an election, Lord help you all. Because everyone's got a different opinion of what took place and what's happening in the world today. I would suggest if you just want a peaceful Thanksgiving, don't talk about it. Hang a sign on the door and say, here's the topics that will not be discussed today. My new hair color, the turkey, whether it was jerky or whether it was nice, and politics. Just kidding. It always brings arguments. Everyone has a strong opinion. He gave his only son for you and I that you and I would have the answer to every financial problem in our lives. Every financial problem. And I know sometimes when you're in the problem, it doesn't seem like that answer is so readily available. But I tell you, stand. Stand. He wasn't just concerned about sin. Yes, that was his initial cost. But after that, he was interested in giving you what you needed to live this life. Therefore, you and I, in our new life, are givers. And we are generous. We're not selfish like we used to be. So the question for you and I is, why do we still struggle with generosity? Why? Why do we still worry before we give if we'll have enough? Why do we count what we have to make sure we have enough before we give? Come on. I'm hitting some hardcore things. Why is it that we struggle and, and, and grasp for more and more and more? And we use the phrase, we're laying up for our generation's generations. Well, I'm just going to throw you out some, 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 some truth from the Bible here. That's mentioned... <clears throat> But the word generosity is over and over and over and over. And the fact that we should share. Share. You heard me right. That's a rough word. Let's go to Ephesians 4.17. It's going to be our first scripture. I am going to read a lot. I'll be honest with you. If reading long drives you crazy, just sit and listen. Just sit and listen. I'm a great storyteller. God stories, and it's the Bible. Okay, but listen. So 17th, it says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer, must no longer, live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. If that wasn't a sarcastic remark. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God of the ignorance that is in them, ignorance, sheer ignorance, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensu sensuality and as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him with the accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to the former way of life, the way you used to live before you knew Christ, right? To put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, 
You want to know why we as Christians today are corrupted? Because of our own deceitful desires that are within us from the old way we used to live. But because we're in Christ, he's calling us to a new way of living, which is being corrupted by a sea, or to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Wait a minute, there's a key right there. We were corrupted by our minds and our old evil desires, but we're to put it off the old man, the old self, and to pick up a new one and put it on. And when you put it on, something's going to start changing in your mind because the way you used to look at selfishness is no longer who you are. You don't look at it the same way because now you put on Christ's likeness and now I'm going to become like him. And because I'm like him, he's not interested in selfishness. He's interested in you. So I'm going to be interested in you and not myself. Even at the cost that if I have one, I'm willing to give it away. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The struggle's real. The struggle's between the old self that did things for its own desire and greed versus a new self that was created to be like Christ. We struggle because it's a maturing process. If Randy were out here, he would say the P word. That's what he calls it in our house. Because it's a process. No one likes a process. We're, trust me, you your culture today is now. Now. If someone says we're going to make you a hand shake, you're like, oh, got to wait 10 minutes to get that hand spun shake, a steak and shake. Because you got to wait 10 minutes for something that's better than the drive-thru at Burger King where you get something poured out of a machine. Right? Some things that are valuable take a longer process to achieve in your life. But culture has us in this now society that if we don't get it now, then God's not working. That's not true. How many, go back to the elementary. God's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him six days to make the sun and stars, moon and the other, Seven days to make the universe. God was showing us process. Don't hate where you are, but realize it's a process and keep looking ahead. Like Brother Joe said in the offering today, you know what it takes to get from point A to point B. Don't forget about B. Don't be happy being at A, caught in your selfish self anymore. Get on to step B and say, I'm going to push myself to get out of this attitude in my mind and I'm going to put on the way God thinks about giving and not about the way I think about giving. I'm going to tell you that the earth's way of giving is wrong. Wrong. The earth says that if you want to get more, you hold it. Drag it all in and stockpile it in a big pile. That's not what the Word of God says at all. In fact, God says if you want to find your life, lose it. Lose it. Put away that old thinking and put on a new attitude of the way I want you to think. Whew. All right. 
go back to when you were a child. Or if you were a parent, moms and dads out there, you're going to so understand where I'm headed right now. What were one of the first two words your children said? Other than mama and papa or dada, whatever it is you talk. Baba. Oh, there it is. No. No and mine. Okay, so if a picture is worth a thousand words, I want to show you. This is my eldest child, Alexis. And this picture will give you a thousand words of how she felt about what I told her we were going to do that day. I'm like, no, we ain't. I'm not happy about it, and I don't want to go. Alexis was the queen of selfishness. I'm just going to tell you, straight up. If you had, you remember those big packs of mega blocks? They came in all different colors. Buddy, I'm telling you, she'd just be happy as luck. You'd open up the bag and just throw them in your living room. It's like 300 blocks, right? And they're big and chunky, and they make a mess. And if you step on one at night, you'll know it. That's all I got to say. Lexi would have them in the living room. And buddy, I'm telling you, if I had a moment just to sit down and play with her, the second I got near her with those, no, and throw herself over a pile of 300 blocks, mine, mine. I'm like, my goodness, where's the devil at? Where, where did you get this? There's 300 of them. I'll buy you more. It's not like we said, oh, you get one block today and you get another one tomorrow. I mean, 300 blocks in the middle of the floor. Well, then it progressed as she got older. She'd give her a quarter. She'd go to the children's church. She'd come back home. I'd look in her purse. Quarter's still there. So Alexis, you didn't give your offering. The same face. So I'm like, okay, okay. So then I start going in the children's church with her. We'd go to the bucket. I'd say, now drop your quarter. Put the quarter in the bucket. I'll give you another one. Put the quarter in the bucket. I'll give you more. Like I'm literally prying her fingers open. I put the money in the bucket. You know what I'm talking about. Because some children are like that. Now I'm going to be honest with you. She'll give you anything. She'll give you anything, and that's wonderful. But she had to be taught that selfishness is not the way to go. You don't always get what you want when you want it, and you have to share. You know, we as adults still live like toddlers. And we're willing to share anything except our money. And that's the truth, because I'm going to put stipulations on you if I'm going to share my money with you. If I'm going to share my money, there's a string of thankfulness attached. You best say thank you. Can you believe they didn't even say thank you when I gave them that hundred dollars? Or, or maybe you, you want to know that they have a job before you give it. Well, you know, a man don't eat. He ain't going to get no money. He don't work. You don't eat. I, I, I don't see that in here where generosity was in there. In fact, in the Old Testament, it was that when you gave, it was both hands like this with money in your hand. And the people you gave to got to take as much as they want. But this is how we give. Dave, go ahead. Oh, pry my hand open. Oh, no, Jesus. Oh, I guess I have to. There's a quarter. Take it, take it, Dave. Take it fast before I take it back. 
This is how we give. We give with a closed hand rather than an open hand. But let me remind you, if you give that way, you'll receive like that. So put yourself in a money machine that's blowing money everywhere, but you can't grab none because your hands are closed because you're so greedy to keep your own. But if you give with an open hand, then think of when God pours out the windows of heaven, what you can catch. Because it ain't like this. Go ahead, try to catch it with no fingers. Try, you can't pull your shirt up with no fingers to try to catch it. What would you do? But do you see? Our idea of what saves us actually hurts us. It traps us so that we can't receive from God. Because if you won't give to what he wants you to give to, then you ain't receiving nothing in return. By the way, I do want you to know that some of the stories for telling reasons have been inflated for your enjoyment. I feel like I need to give those prefaces. It's, it's, it's a pastor thing. I'm telling you, you start telling a story, it's just got to get bigger. Oh. The truth is, is that selfishness and rebellion were in you. They're still in you. But the new man's ways of generosity and lack lessness and non-selfishness are there as well. What you grow will come to the top. What you choose to mature. You see, the old man's always with you. He's the flesh. He's always got his own idea. He's always got his own attitude. But my new man, oh, my new man, whoo, my new man's got bold. My new man has said, sit yourself down, you ugly man. God said, give it, so I'm going to do it. My new man's getting stronger every day. It's maturing in the ways of God because it's learning and grafting itself after Christ. Let's turn to our second scripture, Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. Again, a little bit of reading, but it's important. Now, this entire chapter that I'm reading out of has been about money. And it's important that I preface that Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus. It's just like I'm sitting here talking to you. There were problems that were happening in the church. So Paul's writing the answer to them. He's saying, look, this, this is your answer. Let, let me remind you of what's going on, okay? So he says to them, and we're going to start in six. Remember this word. Remember this. This means be aware of what I already know. I know this. So remember, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, I got the youth in here today. How many farmers do I have in the house? Who still farms? One, two, three, four, five. Jim's not here. Six. All right, I got some farmers here. So because the youth is with me, and some of us newer generation, younger, they might not understand farming terms. I'm going to be honest with you. Sowing means planting. Planting. You sow and you reap a harvest. Okay? So sowing meant planting. It's a farmer's term, youth. And I'm going to tell you this too. If, if I could have grasped this scripture base that I'm reading to you today, at your age, 
my life would be completely different. So you all need to pay attention. This is about money. This is about your future. You don't have enough for college yet? Don't worry about it. God can take care of it if you will apply what's happening today in this message. I promise you. God is faithful to you. Amen? All right. It says, so now, um, remember, be aware of something. I know reading also read generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Not with a closed hand. Remember Alexis? She didn't want to throw that money in the bucket. Not reluctantly, but wanting to. Not under compulsion. That means pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. That word abundantly means more than enough. How many of you would like to say, I would love to have more than I need with excessive money laying around that I could do whatever he wants with? How many? Come on, be honest. Be honest. I don't think there's anyone in this house that would say they wouldn't. Okay? Um, Cheerful giver abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all, what? So that in all things, all things, okay, You mean my kids' sports supplies, my kids' school supplies, my kids' college, my car, my retirement? All, I think that's all things. I think that's all things. At all times, you mean I never don't have enough? No. Having all that I need, and my needs are met? That's needs and wants. Wow that you would abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely, they're referring to scripture from the past, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Hmm. Decide in your hearts what to give because you want to, not because you're being made to. So that... You and I can have more than enough. More than enough. And all, all means ain't no more that I need. This is the answer to everyone's lack in this entire building. In the entire world. What? Remember this. Remember as you read ahead... Everything you read ahead, put through this lens. Everything. That if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you give much, you're going to reap much. And then there's nothing that I have need of? i got to read on. Now he who supplies seed, this is God. Our Father's the one who supplies seed. Just going to be honest with you. This is nothing that you and I can do. When he made all of creation, he said he gave every herb bearing seed, every tree bearing its own seed. Every one of us, even every man and every woman, you have your own seed in you, or you couldn't make babies. Now, let me just tell you this. If you're one out there today that you're like, well, I ain't got no babies and I'm trying. Well, let me tell you something. The enemy is trying to steal your seed. 
and you've been given seed and God knows the seeds in there and it needs to come out and you speak to your body and you remind the devil that that which is in you is greater than what he is and it's gonna come out. And chances are you're carrying a five-fold ministry end time revivalist for all we know. Anyone think that it's odd that COVID is showing low testosterone and that men are at an all-time low testosterone state and that we can't have babies? Let me tell you something. You think that abortion wasn't overturned so all those babies that we've lost in the past, all those teachers, all those preachers, all those prophets, all those evangelists, all those teachers are dead and gone and now he's trying it this way? Oh, we're not giving them our babies. We're not giving them our future. We're not giving them the next generation. I'm telling you that you speak to that seed that's within you, your testosterone levels will become normal. You women, you will conceive. The devil is a liar. That is our seed and he cannot have it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, it made me so mad the other day when I started thinking about that. How dare you attack the next generation? God knows exactly what he's purposed. And what has to happen for the end to come for you and I. And I'm telling you, there's one more great awakening. You better get ready. You better get ready. It says nations come into Jesus, salvation like you've never seen. You best be willing to come to church more than one night a week. Because one night a week won't do it, amen? I better get on with my message. and That's not going to be friendly. Okay, verse 10. Now, he, God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. In other words, I'm giving you what you need because bread is food and you eat it every day. But I'm also giving you seed. I'm giving you money, resources to sow. We'll also supply and increase your store of seed. That means your resources. I will increase what you have and will enlarge the harvest of righteousness. Not only do you get an earthly, a physical increase in your resource, but you get a spiritual increase when you do what the word says and its righteousness is enlarged in you. You're doing what's right. You will be enriched in every way, every bill paid, every need covered. And here's the two words. So that. Someone say, so that. You can buy a bigger house, more toys, bigger cars. You should have 15 cars because after all, there's seven days in a week. Do you think somewhere we've gone wrong? I'm not saying toys are wrong. I'm not saying your little, you, your little, little, I don't know, gator that you drive through the woods and fall off of and practically break your neck is a bad thing. I think that's a great fun toy to have. Thank God your wife's a nurse. Anyways, that wasn't directed to anyone in here. We have a friend that wrecked a gator a couple weeks ago, months ago, whatever. Anyways, my point is, is God doesn't loathe in you having things. He wants you to have things. But the scripture said, choose in your heart, decide in your heart what you're going to give. Heart and giving are connected. And God's looking that your heart is his and not the things. Does that make sense? So I'm going to show you some farmer terminology, okay? 
And you just have to bear with me because I, though I'm not a farmer, I have done the best I could with seed, okay? So here's the seed that I mimicked off of. This is actually corn out of the garden that went to um, seed so we can use it for next year, which I'll just apologize for all those of you that did get corn. <gasps> Obviously, I don't know how to wrap corn for seed either, but it, I thought I had it. Anyways, this is supposed to go to seed so that next year we can use it. I make the apologies because me, being a little younger than some of the ones planting, did not quite understand when to harvest corn. That's why you got turkey jerky for corn and you thought you were eating cow feed. You were. I'm sorry. Next year we'll do better. This ear, which is a standard size ear, okay? I did look this up on the internet to make sure I was right. I don't know that that's true. But this ear alone has 568 kernels on it, 568. It took one kernel to produce this whole thing. So for learning's sake today, I have counted one basket of peanuts. This equals about 250. And my large one, we're just going to say 500 for sakes. It's an average size corn. Here's what happens. If you and I, here's, I have a need. I don't have enough money. My retirement's low. I didn't start so late. I don't have enough college money. In fact, my car needs repaired and I'm a teenager and I don't have a job. That's one seed in the ground. This is what you're going to yield on one seed. This is what God does. Lord, I give you this seed. I'm sowing it into your kingdom, believing that you will increase that which I've planted, knowing that your word will not return void. Now, God, I don't know how I'm going to get that car fixed. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to trust in you because I got no other plan right now, and I'm going to start asking people for anything I can do. Amen? Hey, Quentin, could you come over to Grandma's house? I got something for you. I need you to, um, you know, pick up the basement for $251 bills, which is totally unfair. You should never do that. I'm just saying. I know. Sometimes what they pay is not even realistic. I'm just being honest. It doesn't make a parent's job easy. How much do you make an hour over there? Oh, $40 an hour working for Grandma and Grandpa. I'm exaggerating for ministry's sake. Just keep in mind. I know. Anybody want to work for Grandma and Grandpa? Yeah! <laughs> and here, but, but, but if Grandma and Grandpa want to give us such great gifts, how much greater does our Heavenly Father who lives above, who owns a cattle on a thousand hill, want to bless you? You see? You see how it works? So that was only 250. That's not even what an ear of corn yields. This is guaranteed. Guaranteed this is what's going to happen if God brings the rain and the sun and you keep the weeds out of your field. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. This was hard times over in that corn. The rain came, washed all the seed to one end of the field. We had to pick it back up and hand... Randy hand-planted one piece of corn at a time. Them crooked rows were like that. I'd never seen a row that crooked. But it was, yeah. This is the reward from one seed. If you sow sparingly, 
you reap sparingly. That's sparingly. Oh, but look, look, while I'm at it and I'm on my knees and I'm already digging in my wallet to give something, let me give a little more. Let me give not one. Let me give two. Let me give three. Let me give four. You notice how much action this has taken? I'm already down on my knees. I'm already digging in the dirt. I've already got my gardening clothes on. I've already got my mind set on God's goodness and his grace. I'm already using my faith, but yet I'm so stingy I can only pull out one, one seed. But God's saying, while you're at it, why don't you just trust me with more? Why don't you just plan a little more and watch what I will do? Because see, you think, I'm telling you, we need more farmers. Because a lot of farmers understand that if I bought $30,000 worth of seed, that's going to be $250,000 worth of income. And I don't even know that's right. I have no clue what I'm talking about, David. But it was good for storytelling. So here's what happens. God says, now this, one. This is two. This is three. This is four. This is five. This is six. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. And because I'm like a grandma or a grandpa and I just love you, let me just scatter some more love on you. Because God don't count by number. He's just, oh, I think this is what it looks like. I'll just bless them a little more and open up the windows. Now, look, Randy, you needed what? Here, here, I got plenty. I, oh, wait, no, maybe over here. I heard about how tight you are with your wife. <sighs> oh, here, David, David, you want to do work down at that mission? You do that. You give all that away. You do that. Give some to your wife. Buy her a new outfit. Every man should be good to his wife. Amen. Here's what I'm telling you. You've got money separated. This is what I need. This is my tithe. This is what God wants me to do. But look, look. Here's what we do. Lord, if they know I have that money, they'll all be asking. Better hide it. Make that. You don't put them $100 in your wallet today. Lord, you open that up. They'll need it. God's not looking for greedy. God's looking for givers. God's looking for a people that will trust him and say, I know what you can do just with one seed of corn. And I know you can do that in the physical for me. But we don't have it because we won't do it. We won't trust him. We won't trust him that he's going to turn it around. So we want to hoard it up, make it like that. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not saying this to make you feel condemned. I'm doing this because, man, I need the gym. Man, hallelujah, that was just a small sprint. Maybe if I hadn't been sprinting for something evil, it would have been fine. It's time that you and I look at ourselves. Take a hard look. And ask the hard questions. I'll just bring, I'll bring up the Salvation Army bucket. I'm just going to be honest with you. Here's the deal. 
Everywhere you go, there's the ringer. Everywhere. And there's some of us that give every single time. And there's some of us that go, oh my gosh, I just gave over at Walmart. Now you're here at Hobby Lobby and you want me to give again. Nah, 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 nah. I mean, we, remember, we start justifying why we feel like we feel. Right? If we turn our eye away, woe is you. Woe. And I'm telling you, if you can't give a dollar every time, you can't give $15 every time, whatever your choice is. Make it your holiday mission that until Christmas, every single time I see a red bucket, I'm giving to break down the selfishness in my heart as I'm trying to calculate what Salvation Army did with my money. Oh my gosh. Well, let me tell you this. If you've seen them, they ain't out there living large. They're doing the work of the kingdom. And if you do nothing else, we actually have someone that works there, so pay his salary. It's fine. That's what Randy said yesterday as we dropped in the bucket at Sam's. He said, well, there's Paul's salary. Keep it rolling. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But I'm saying use it as a, as a testing point to see what your selfishness looks like. Now, hear me out. I don't give to organization I don't know. I don't. If I don't know what they do and how they do it, I'm not just given to nobody because anyone can say they need it. But if I see it, you realize that? Why is it that we have to give to organizations to do our money? Why can't we go out and find the needy? Oh, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. You ain't got time. Hear me out. You ain't got time. Man, that's so taxing. I gave away all that food and oh, it just broke my heart to see all those people in need. That's Jesus. That's what he feels when he looks at them. His heart is breaking for them. Would be it to God that you do feel it. Would be it to God that you do see it. Put yourself right in the midst of need and serve it. Serve it. You got a family that's ungrateful? You join that Jerry Lewis dinner on Thanksgiving Day in Lima, and you serve some food out to some people on Thanksgiving. You tell this flesh, get yourself under control and be generous. Well, what about my family on Thanksgiving? What about your family? They've had you for 48 years, and chances are they'd be happy you took a year off. <sighs> Praise Jesus. I'm just telling you. Generosity is the antidote to greed. And if we are not going to be like our old self, then we've got to come over into a new way. Amen? God knows the number one competition for your heart and what your heart loves is money. Every day, it's in competition. For the love that you have for God, it's trying to breed over and take room. Take room, take room. And it's trying to prove to you that it's your provider. The green dollar. And we all chase it. We all get up every day and work for it. And when we don't have enough of it, don't lie. Your heart doesn't have peace. I'm in it with you. 
I'm in it with you. I understand what it means to go to the pump and put $100 in your gas tank and go, and by the day end, it's empty. I'm like, what? I got 12 miles till empty? Are you kidding? I get it. But what is your heart really in love with? The stuff that money buys or the one who gave you the ability to work and to eat, right? Sometimes just putting it in perspective. We trust God with our eternity, but we don't trust him with our money. It's money. It's money. You know, Randy said to me one time, we were laying in bed at night, and he said, you know, I just wish I could have done this better, and I wish I could have. I said, stop. If I was with you in a cardboard box, and our kids had help and Jesus, I got all I need. There are people dying every day in a cardboard box with no Jesus and no help. Put your life in perspective because 99.9% .9 of Americans are rich. God doesn't need your cash. He wants to know that he can trust you. He wants to know he can trust you with the cash he blessed you with. Amen. Scripture says in Luke, he who is faithful in very little will be faithful in much. If God can get money through us, he will get it to us. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. And another withholds, back on my card, I've put in some back, unduly, but comes to poverty. And a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Today's question is, are you a bucket which holds things? Or are you a pipe which receives things and passes it on? God's supply never runs out. His tap's always on for you and I. What do you need? Your heart will be the recipient. Your heart is the problem. If you're not receiving from God, maybe you're cheap. Maybe you leave the waitress $2 because you think that's all she deserved. Because you justify being cheap. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Sometimes I got, I'll just be honest with you, I don't even know. Someone sent $10 in an offering envelope here to the church and put one of our pastor's names on it. Said, here, this is for them a new pair of pants because the ones they had had holes in them. I wanted to write them back and say, well, if you've been shopping, those cost 135 bucks. So we're going to need another 125. But thanks so much for your gift. You understand my point? Don't be cheap. If God's going to bless somebody, then bless them like God blessed them and not like you did with the little measly $2. $2 don't buy a medium fry. So if you're going to give money for dinner for a family, 
Think about God's not being cheap. Where would you take Jesus if you took him out to eat? There it is. There's Randy has spoke. Jesus must like Texas Roadhouse. I think he likes Texas. I don't know if he likes Roadhouse. Do you hold it or do you let it pass through? These are just questions for you to ask yourself. I don't want to be cheap. I don't want to be cheap with God's people or his money. Here's what I finish with today. Some of you may be asking, I sense this is in me, and I don't want it to be present. And maybe it is the Salvation Army bucket. Maybe that's where you start. Just that it's your goal. Every single time I see a red bucket, I'm giving something. I don't care what I have, when I have it, I'm giving it because I'm breaking selfishness off my life. Then you do it. Maybe it's that the youth, maybe you young men need to open the door for every single woman that walks through your school door. And maybe you need to ask the person behind you at lunch and in front of you if they've got money and if they don't, buy their lunch. Right? My mom used to give me $5 a week extra so that I could buy the kids lunch at school that didn't have the money. But they would ask for money to borrow. And mom said, if they ever borrow any, don't ever ask for it back. I'm like, okay. I had a side business rolling. Buddy, I had money coming in all the time. I loaned five, I'd charge them interest. And then if they wanted a, a parent's signature, that was worth 10 bucks. Bring me the signature, I'll write it down and give me the cash. I was known as an entrepreneur at lunch. Don't be that. Give it away. Give it away. I promise you, you'll never miss it. You'll never miss it because as soon as you give it, God's supplying more. He just keeps supplying. So some of you do have to put it in check. But I'll say this. The first question to ask yourself is if you have selfishness present in any area of your life, am I a tither? Because remember this. What I taught you here is above and beyond tithing. This is sowing in addition to what God wants you to do. This is sowing and giving towards something bigger. You got to need, Randy and I have told this story hundreds of times in our life. He thinks it's $23.05. I think it's $26.50. We argue about that. I'm not sure. I don't I know in the big picture. I remember it as we had $26.50. And this house that we wanted to buy when we were young had sold three times out from underneath us because no one would go with $23,000. It was the cheapest offer they had. But every single time they would sell it, the buyers would back out. Buy, sell it again, buyers back out. And finally, my dad looked at me, and I'm just crying. He's like, it's okay, it's okay. And dad said, do you want that house? And I said, yes. He said, then let's pray. Like you would have thought it would have taken us the three weeks prior that we would have known to pray. And so dad prayed with us, and then the next week, Brother Duplantis came to the church. And he took an offering, and he asked us to sow a seed. And, buddy, I dug in my purse as deep as I could dig. And we came up with, I thought, $23.50. That's all we had. And do you know we put that in that offering? And God gave us the sale of that house inasmuch we never had to make an offer. The bank called us, not the realtor, the bank, and said, do you kids want this stupid house? And we said, yes. And they said, how much can you pay? 
And Randy said, $23,500. And they said, sold. Do you know, 10 years later, we sold that house for 85,000 some odd dollars. Now, God gave us the sale of that house because we trusted. And that's a seed. But if you're not tithing first, then you're putting God at the end of your list. And you're saying, I'm going to do everything I want with all of my money, which is not true. And then I'm going to give to you what I think you deserve. That's not what God's asking. God's asking that you entertain him first. Put me first. Let money not have rule of your heart. Put me first and then watch what I will do in your life. I'm going to open the windows of blessing upon you, right? But then I'm going to multiply what you're blessed with. Not only am I going to give you seed, but I'm going to give you the increase that comes with it. But if your heart can't handle the increase, you're never going to get it. You're going to be chasing money your whole life. And you're never going to have enough. You're always going to have lack. You're always going to be limited to what you can do. And you're not going to be, have all things in all times so that you can meet everyone else's need either. It's a cycle. Last scripture, 1 John 3, 16 through 18. In preface, it says this. If you see your brother in need and you do not help him out, how can the love of God be in you? God, I don't want to get to heaven and hear that. Nicole, do you remember? You justified. Yeah, but they take money and, and they really, they're driving a Cadillac and they're just begging for money. They're, 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 quit justifying what you're doing. Stop. Be generous. Be generous. The rest of that scripture says, Dear children, let us not love in word and in speech, but actions and truth. It's not enough that we hear and that we tell others that they're to be generous. It's that we are And through your generosity, they will believe. They will see there's something different about you. And they're going to want to be a part. Rip that selfishness out of your heart. I gave you the answer today to a lackless, limitless life. You need more? Give more. Today, I want to end with the salvation call, as I do every time that we preach. Maybe today, you didn't think you could come to a church and hear about money and your heart be convicted about Jesus. <laughs> but I'm just telling you that you came here today for the exact right time. And if Pastor Randy didn't move you with a communion message that he gave, Today, would you accept God's generosity? Would you accept the sacrifice that he gave for you and I? See, because here's what it just simply looks like. We were slaves in this world. We were slaves to sin. We were bound, bound and chained to lust 
pride, envy, anything you can imagine in our lives, I was chained to. Although I did get saved at five, I'll just let you know I did hold a boy down and make him kiss me after we played checkers. I felt extremely guilty for that. Just being real. I got saved at five only to mature into a life and to realize that there was a real devil out there who meant a young woman a lot of harm. And I made a lot of wrong choices and I made a lot of bad turns. And according to some people, they might not be as bad as what they did. But I'll tell you this, that sin grips your heart like it grips every sin. It doesn't matter what sin it was, it was sin. And I was bound by it. But because I gave my life to Christ, he paid my ransom. He went to Calvary and took the stripes that I should have received. He paid the penalty that I should have paid for an eternity and said, I'll buy you out. I'll pay her debt so that she has the freedom of choice. So she can choose me above all things. And I just trust in my heart that she's going to choose right. God's saying the same thing about everyone sitting in these seats today. When he made you, when he designed you, he made you with a yearning inside of him that would draw you to his purpose. And it doesn't matter how far you've run, how bad you've done. I don't care if you stole, you murdered, you raped. God says, I'm here to forgive and I love you, come home. Come home to the church. We're not perfect, but it sure is better than being out there alone. And God's got every answer we need. Will you use it? Will you say yes to the generosity that he provided today? I said yes, and there's days I need it more than I needed it yesterday. Today's just a good day. If you're here under the sound of my voice, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you want to accept the generosity of God through the Savior Jesus Christ, and you say, Pastor Nicole, I've just been in it. You don't have to tell me what you've been in. You don't have to say what you've done. You just got to say, I want Jesus. And if that's you and you're in this house today, I'm asking you to raise your hand and say, this is me. This is me. I want this Savior. Yep. Yep. This is me. Yes. God hears you. He sees you. Yes. Balcony. God sees you today. I believe this day was decided long ago and God planned and purposed you to be here on this day in this atmosphere knowing that your heart would be beckoned to him any youth any youth that say I gotta get this right and I gotta stay right hallelujah anyone else all right Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to say a prayer. And then I'm going to ask that each and every one of you 
that raised your hand. You know who you are. Some are rededication, some I don't even know. But I'm gonna ask that you lean to the neighbor next to you, someone you did not come with, and tell them you gave your life to Christ because we're gonna pray. Everyone repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I accept your generosity. You freely gave your son in place of my sin. I accept it. I believe in him. I confess right now that he is Lord of my life and I surrender to you. Help me, God, to be like Christ. I denounce the devil from this day forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, right now, stand up, everyone, in your seats, and look to your neighbor and ask him if they gave their life to Christ. Find somebody, because I'm telling you, they're around you. God sees it. He's aware of what you've done. And now we have a reason to celebrate. By the way, I'll take it a step further. If you were told that your neighbor gave his life to Christ, maybe you should take him out to lunch. And be generous, amen? Oh, I'll be, I'm stepping on selfish devils already. Don't forget, church is not on Wednesday this next week. Our midweek is on Tuesday, Turkey Tuesday, so that all of our ladies and men chefs of the house can get in and get all that good food prepped because we know that's where your mind is anyways. It's on Turkey and not Jesus. Just kidding. Let's, I'm going to pray you out. I love you all. I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday. And if you gave your life to Christ today, I expect to see you on Turkey Tuesday or next Sunday in the house of God where you can learn and where you can grow and we can help you. Amen? Father, we just give you praise for today. Father, we thank you for the word that you delivered. I thank you for the souls, God, that were harvested today in your name. Father, I give you praise and honor and glory for it, God. I ask that everyone go on their way. And Father, every turn we make this week, oh, Holy Spirit, convict our hearts, Lord, when you see that selfishness raising its head. Dig it out, Lord. Dig it out of our hearts that our hearts could receive more, that we could do more for your kingdom and your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I love you guys. We'll see you later.